Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, Derek. Coming to you on a uh, wonderful Monday afternoon. I know there's a, a big game tonight, a championship game. There was one last night for the ladies. Is it Coach K's last game? No, that, that already <laughs> happened. Thank God that already I missed happened. it. I didn't Thank hear anything about it. Thank goodness that already happened. I didn't hear anything about um, it. Didn't hear anything about it? No. Uh, <laughs> so we had one champion crown last night. We'll have another one crowned tonight. So I know uh, several people may be waiting to watch for that. I know that my son is. Um, but it was a beautiful weekend this weekend. I know you went down to Jackson. How was that? We were at Ridgeland, just north of Jackson, just north of Madison, right there where the new mall is. On the other side of the interstate is something called Freedom Park. They've got probably about five or six soccer fields, maybe five or six baseball fields. There was a baseball tournament mixed with a soccer tournament, so a lot of our listeners probably drove down. A lot of the teams had to play in that area. Very nice. It's amazing when you commit to your parks what can happen. Yeah. I'll just say well, that. And we'll, we'll, That's we'll a teaser that. right there. That is a teaser coming up there. That's <laughs> an announcement about that. Uh, well, Matt, I was able to get out. A beautiful weekend, as you said. Hopefully, everybody got to get outside at some point, especially yesterday. So nice. Uh, man, oh, Sunday was so nice. Uh, able to you know, just drive around, had the, half the top off the Jeep. And, Matt, you know, I was driving around, saw, uh, saw you know, people had for sale signs out. I have no idea why you would have any other sign out other than Tim Couch. I saw one close to us. Yes, that's, what, it, that's exactly what I'm talking right. about. It was a realty company uh, I was unfamiliar with. We don't need to t- say what that is because they don't advertise with us. But I was very unfamiliar with it, and it's kind of exactly what I've been preaching about when we talk about our presenting sponsor, Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Look, if you're going to use a realtor, why not use the best? Why not use the company that has over thousands of closings since 2009? You're paying them the same. Mm-hmm. You're paying them the same. Realtors are typically going to make the same amount of money no matter who you use. I know it's a very hot market, but I'm telling you, you want to reach out to our 2022 presenting sponsor, the number one real estate team in DeSoto County, to use the best realtors in the area. Just saying the best can probably put you towards multiple offers, get you a maybe an over-asking price deal. Whenever it comes time to get a contract on your uh, property, they know how, how to work it with uh, closing attorneys, appraisers, all those type things. Why? Because they have thousands of closings since 2009. Again, the number one team for well over a decade here in DeSoto County, Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. They are currently offering a free, no obligation market analysis. Give them your address. They can tell you all about your neighborhood, your zip code. Heck, they can tell you on your street what houses are moving, what houses are selling for, and how long they're taking to close. Give Brian and Terry a call at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. Remember, they were recently named the top producing team in the Million Dollar Club, and not everyone is allowed to be in that club in Northwest Mississippi. The top producing team in the Million Dollar Club, Team Couch, a Birch Realty Group. Give Brian a call on his cell phone, 901-461-7653. That's 461-SOLD, S-O-L-D. They were also recently voted DeSoto's Best for the fifth time. DeSoto's Best for 2021. There is no better team out there when it comes to buying or selling residential real estate. Please look up Team Couch at teamcouch.com. Again, teamcouch.com or give them a call 662-449-1700. Thank you, Brian and Terry, for continuing to be our presenting sponsor. Well, Derek, typically right here is the spot that we mention our studio sponsor. However, at this time, that uh, that door is wide open. If you're interested in being our studio sponsor for the UTW podcast, getting, uh, let's just say, not top billing, but first uh, round of advertisers, email us under the water tower info at gmail.com. That's under the water tower info at gmail.com. We'd love to visit with you, speak to you about what it is, what it takes to be our studio sponsor here with the UTW podcast. Well, Derek, let's move on to our words from the weekend on our Tuesday show. What is your word from the weekend? Matt, my word for the weekend is grateful. Grateful. I had kind of a three-part to this, or three tiers for the reason that I'm grateful for this past weekend. First of all was the weather that we kind of briefly mentioned. Just absolutely gorgeous. Another taste of spring. Unfortunately, it's going to rain tomorrow, rain Wednesday, going to get cold again. I think we have another frost coming Friday night. But this weather, again, I love it. I don't mind the rain during the weeks. If we can get the pretty weekends, I'll take that trade-off sure. every time. Of uh, so the weather. Second thing I was grateful for was the uh, flock around the block race. I uh, ended up participating in that. It was not 
great. It was a little sprinkly during it. However, the the heavy rain held off. I ended up again Saturday afternoon was was beautiful, but it had a great crowd, a great event, um, just a great uh, great calls, and so really good to see people out running again. Five Ks are up, you know, they're hot and heavy this year. Going to be just, I mean, every weekend they've got something somewhere. Tell the listeners again, flock around the block benefits what again? The Interfaith Council. Uh, grateful inter- for that. Grateful for that. Very grateful for the Interfaith Council and all that they do for the uh, needy people uh, in our community. Uh, so that was grateful for that. And then third, uh, Saturday night was prom uh, for uh, North Point. Uh, my son went to prom, his last prom. And so very grateful for a safe trip to and from prom, a safe night, uh, getting home. It got home late, but it was safe. And their prom was in Memphis. It was on Overton Square. There's like an event center next to where Babaloo's and Sweet Noshing's and all that stuff mm-hmm. and so that's where it was so you worry about them driving 30 or 40 minutes up to memphis you worry about them being around over to the square kind of going outside what may be going on and you worry about them coming home you know late at night now there wasn't a, a breakfast they served them breakfast afterwards so that was in south haven which was nice so he you know the end of the night was just a kind of a shorter drive but you always worry about your kids especially driving 18 years old on prom night you know there's kind of certain milestones that you're happy for but at the same time you get really really nervous so very grateful for a safe night and seemed like you had a good time uh and uh just you know, i guess we'll have have one more child to go through that over the next three years and uh, i'll worry about her at that time but uh, just grateful for just a, a wonderful weekend absolutely bo big lane congratulations on the uh, prom uh, sounds like a wonderful time and Derek, this is not his last prom they just call them formals now hernando's prom is in the next two weeks uh Derek, on good friday which um that's interesting. I've always thought that was a very interesting. That's what Hernandez thing. is. It's Good yes, Friday. It's been that way for years. I've told you this numerous yeah, times. I, I, I guess you. Yeah. Now that you said that, that is. Now that I have a child, I mean, I went last year, but I guess I, I struggle a little bit with that being Easter weekend. Uh, I, I'm not a, a fan of that. I don't know why it's that night on a Good Friday. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, that weekend is about something much larger than prom. I'll maybe people listen to this i don't know um so maybe i I do not like it being on good friday it makes me i don't feel comfortable Uh, for that reason for the religious reason of it i mean i guess if you're a religious person if you're a a christian i mean i'm specifically which a majority of us in this area going to prom and having kids in this area it it Uh, is kind of a mixed message yes believe in easter and believe in good friday as a special thing so i'm just going to throw that out there again this is matt talking not Derek. i would love it if they would move it off of good friday because i think that's the right thing to do take that however you want half our listeners probably said oh i don't care at all and that's on you but for me it's really odd that it's on good friday i know it's convenient but um yeah. Well, look, my word from the weekend is going to be fairly simple, and it's going to go. Uh, we've talked about it numerous times. We've talked about it for months. Uh, my word from the weekend is decision. Derek, decision. My daughter finally decided where she is going to college. Uh, that will be at the University of Mississippi, which most people will know as Ole Miss, or as all of our uh, football recruits like to say, University of Ole Miss. University of Ole Miss. <laughs> Hannah Grace has decided to, to attend Ole Miss. Very excited about it. I, I'm really happy for her to um, you know, move to Oxford, start her new life down there. Um, you and I both know how fun a college town is, whether it be Oxford or Tuscaloosa or whatever. A fun college town. You get to uh, room with other people and just be around other people, and, and you start to gravitate towards um, people that are believing in the same things as you, start to gravitate towards people that are pulling the rope in the direction, uh, hopefully, of success. You know, And that, I'm really, really looking forward to that. Not saying she hasn't had that at her name, but I'm really ready for her to uh, start to maybe get some lifelong friends. Hopefully, we'll be part of her life for a long, long time. So I'm very excited for her and her decision for Ole Miss. Hannah Grace doesn't listen to our podcast a ton, but may, I'll encourage her to listen to this part. So I want to congratulate her on that. We have some amazing kids in Hernando. There's so many things under the water tower that uh, that happens. And uh, look, love these young people as long as we can. Wonderful, wonderful things going on uh, in the 18 and under group. I say it to all the time. Please reach out to your youth pastor. Please reach out with your church and find a way to serve in the youth ministry if you can. You will not be uh, disappointed in that. Uh, I'm not going to say it's easy, but no. you won't be disappointed. I continue to ask you to uh, attend a, a church thing, yeah. a church trip. Maybe next year uh, that'll come together. So decision is my word from the weekend, Derek. And uh, a pretty big decision came out of Jackson about the city of Fernando that we've kind of been waiting on, not necessarily saying which way uh, we support or don't support, but we definitely felt like the city of Fernando should have the opportunity and the right to vote for what we're going to talk about. Tell us about the pennies for the park that passed out of Jackson 
So the city of Hernando can vote uh, sometime later this year. All the uh, Matt, all the sunset repeals and the new passage of the Penny for Parks passed for all of the cities in DeSoto County. Now Horn Lake and South Haven were looking to, I guess, repeal the sunset. You know, every four years or right. so, uh, it was have to be relooked at. May could be canceled. So theirs was were re up for another four years, I believe. It did pass. They did renew. Okay. That's right. Olive Branch was asking for pennies for the parts, and we were asking for the pennies for the parts. Both of ours were passed, uh, but obviously we're going to fa- uh, focus on the Hernando one. So it had passed the Senate unanimously, but three representatives represent in the House from DeSoto County did not think that the citizens of Hernando should have the right to determine whether or not we could oppose a tax on ourselves. Basically, they, they said that, or you're just you're speaking kind of what I'm saying with their votes. With their votes. With okay. their votes, they voted no okay. against allowing. You know, they, they wanted basically South Haven and Horn Lake to lose their funding, and then they wanted Olive Branch and Hernando not to be able to have the ability to vote for ourselves. I'm sorry. These are residents of DeSoto County. These yes. are representatives of DeSoto County, yes. and they voted no for these things, for South Haven and Horn Lake to continue, and for us to have the opportunity or the right to vote to pass it or not pass it. Those three gentlemen are? Uh, Dana Criswell. Okay. Dan Eubanks and Steve Hopkins. Okay. Now, Chris Well and Hopkins voted against the teacher pay raise. That's true. They did um, two weeks ago. We talked about that. And then Eubanks, of course, he voted for the teacher pay raise, but he voted against this. They all voted no for all the cities saying that they are against tax increases at all. Now, remember, this is not a tax increase. We have to vote on that. This Correct. is just allowing us to have that vote. What the vote in the legislature did for the Senate and the House did not pass tax. It only gives those cities the right to determine it The themselves. opportunity. That's right. So I just want to make sure people understand that if you're listening and will be voting for or against these gentlemen in the future, those were the three that voted no. Well, two of them voted no for teacher pay raise. All three of them voted no to allow us to make our own decision, which, you know, I don't know how you say, hey, if the city wants this, how you can not give them the right to be able to do that. Derek, it doesn't matter if the city votes 100 to nothing against it. Right. You're standing in the way of a town, a city, to govern itself. Trying to shape its own future. Govern itself. Yeah. That's uh, That t- sounds to me, I mean, I'm, these three gentlemen, that sounds like a very pro-Republican um, thing, which those gentlemen are. Right. Uh, it sounds like you want to give people their own choice, as you would say, I, I want to give someone their own choice to wear masks. That's right. Get vaccinated. Yeah. Or do anything like that. The things that have been the hot button topics over the last year or two, you would think that uh, those three gentlemen would understand, wow, whether they vote against it or for it, that's on them because, hey, who am I to tell them what they can do with their city? I have no yeah. idea if, if the city wants this. And again, we'll find out if we want it or not. Sure. Last time we voted no. Right. But we're asking us, hey, we just want the ability to be able to do it. Of course. Um, so anyway, so that was anyway, that sorry. came up. So back to the penny bill for Hernando. Hernando asked for two cents. But the legislature approved it at a one cent of prepared food. That does include food prepared at the counters in grocery stores, mm-hmm. gas stations, etc. So it's not just restaurants. For Hernando, the tax will go specifically to the Parks and Rec Department. There's nothing about tourism or you know in general. And talking with an older person, they expect the income to be around five hundred thousand a year. Okay. That's what they expect for that one penny you know per dollar being spent as going toward. So a little bit less than sponsoring our studio. Right. right at yeah, right, right. not just a half a, million. We're we we like to stay right less, under just there. A little, just a little less. <laughs> so if you know, and I kind of was doing some numbers that you're probably looking at a what general municipal bonds are going for right now. That's about an eight million dollar bond issue that the city could do if they had that annual income. Now, they, that annual income projection could change the city and maybe less. So you're looking at a less amount. The, the city could actually say, you know what, we're going to add another hundred thousand of our own budget, the regular budget to this every year, and get you a, a larger bond. So that's all going to be something that. Will only be discussed so what if happen- this thing's passed. If, if, if this passes by you know the constituent vote here later on this this year. So what does that mean? Let's just say it's eight million dollars. I don't whatever. What you just mentioned is eight million dollars. Does that give us an eight million dollar budget? To do, do we go ahead and get that money and have access to that money so we can spend it yeah, and build what, what something? Yeah, what you would or do. And again, this we're, we're or is that way kind of like ahead of ourselves. Is it kind of a loan? It's a loan. Oh, okay, it's gotcha. a loan. So Got it would be an eight million dollar loan sure. where you wish to develop. Then once it, it, it the project is completed, then you know, okay, well our annual debt service is five hundred thousand dollars a year. That's how much we're getting in, and so that basically give you $8 million over a 20-year time period. That's what we're kind of looking at. Now, this will cause a need. Uh, you know, they, they had already been talking to an architect about Correct. what it's going to look like. I think they were hoping for two pennies, so I think it was a larger-scale project. There may be you know, what they're looking to do or propose 
to the city to vote on uh, will probably have to be scaled down some. Again, we'll see what they decide. Once they get, you know, as a UTW podcast, we're not going to really talk about how we feel about it yet because we want to see the plans. We want to see the cost breakdown. We want to see all that. But they're going to have a plan this time. They're going to market it, do everything that they had to do that was failed to do last time we voted. Once all that comes out as known, we're going to see what it looks like. We'll, you know, we'll give our opinion on here about it. We'll, we'll either hype it up or say, ooh, you know, we really wish we could have this, this, or this. So we'll see what it looks like. But I think it's very exciting that we now – that. They're giving us another chance to be able to do this. Now, last time, I mean, it was, what, 70-30 last time? I think it was something like that, maybe 65-35. Does it have to be 51-49? That's it? Oh, it's just a simple majority. Just a simple yeah, majority. Simple majority. Wow, okay. So, again, it's going to depend on how many people come out to vote. Now, what I understand, it will be in the November election right. because, it, obviously, it's cheaper than calling a special election. I think the legislature actually wanted that to happen to be able to have more people come out. You know, if you have an election in July, it may be very, very sparse. Sure. If you have one in November when people are coming to reelect representatives – you know, for the, the U.S. House, it won't be a presidential turnout, but it'll be a larger turnout. So I think that's where they'll piggyback it. Plus, it's cheaper for the city because you don't have to call sure. on a special election. So we'll see how that goes. But we'll keep everybody up to date as that goes. And as soon as we have those plans, we'll, we're going to talk about it on here. And we'll, we may even interview either the mayor and alderman kind of, uh, you know, that are really pushing this because it sounds like to me, I believe it was unanimous vote to send this down to the legislature. So I would assume that all seven aldermen are for it in some form or fashion. Now we'll see if the amount is good enough for them. We'll see once the plans hit, there may be some argument about what to include and what to exclude. But right now it seems like it's it, the city is pretty much on board with trying to propose this or allow this to be proposed to us to vote on. And we'll see where it goes. And we had a number of people, let's say five years ago, however many years it was ago that we uh, voted and it was turned down. Uh, they said, well, I don't want the pennies for the park for because uh, this this leadership or who's running the parks or who's doing this. There's no plan. There's no plan. Um, that's not the case anymore. Nope. The parks director that you maybe didn't like five years ago is no longer longer there. New, um, yeah, new parks director. New parks director. Um, a lot of different things. Plenty to talk about. Well, there. It, Again, they will have a plan. They absolutely. will have drawings. They will have that. a breakdown. So I think all and the new parks director comes from Oxford, where you have plans and you have built parks. Like uh, a lot of people were down at what is it M Trade Park or something like that this weekend for a soccer tournament. They've been down and played baseball. Those places down in Oxford. Those things. They cost money. Yeah. They cost money. Snowden Grove costs money. It, it just does. So we're looking forward to talking about it plenty of time before between now and November to discuss pennies for the park. So we're looking forward to those plans so they can start to roll that out to the uh, voters to see what they want to do when it comes to pennies for the park. And we'll definitely keep you updated here on the UTW podcast. Something we always talk about the first and third Tuesday shows of the month, the Alderman meeting, Derek, tell us about the Alderman meeting that will be taking place tonight. As you listen to the show uh, tomorrow night, as we record, tell us about the Alderman meeting uh, tomorrow night. They got some pretty good topics uh, on the agenda for Tuesday night, but I want to start with number nine. We're skipping no intermissions. Yeah, no, no need no, for no intermissions. Oh golly, yeah, yeah. I actually had to call a ten minute intermission. Um, so we'll start with number nine. This is past the consent agenda and everything before that. Uh, number nine, uh, Matt is authorized to hire Austin Cardozi as the director of planning at the pay rate of ninety thousand dollars. UTW listeners will remember this. Our planning department leader was recently hired, mm -hmm. and she has chosen to, March 31st was her last day. She chose to step away, that's correct. She chose to step away. She chose to do that. So this is actually a new planning director that we have an opportunity to hire. What was his name again, Derek? Austin Cardosi. His current role is basically, let's just say, number two guy at the planning department for the county of DeSoto. That's correct. Where we live. And I've heard nothing but rave reviews about this gentleman from uh, builders and multiple people. Um, he lives in Hernando, which... No offense to the, the other lady. She was kind of moving into the area. Mm -hmm. He lives in Hernando, very familiar with the different builders, different developers in this area. So I've heard nothing but rave reviews about this hire, um, and we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, they're stepping up with a salary. That's a quality salary. A, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's two hundred grand less than you and I make for the show. <laughs> so, I mean, but still, he, he can live off that. He can live off that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm happy about it. I really am. Let's let's the planning department needs consistency. They need that leader that's going to be there, and I'm really looking forward to uh, this passing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't imagine anybody voting against sure. this, so I'm hoping that's a five second, you know, seven four zero against to move on. Yeah. Uh, speaking of moving on, we'll go down a little bit further. We're going to skip down uh, basically right now on the current agenda. We're going to go down to number twenty. Now this is a very small thing, but I did want to kind of mention it because I, this is something that cities need to think about. And when, when we're talking about what does a city do, so number twenty says the authorization to accept the lowest and best quote from Mid South Septic to camera and identify sewer infiltration in the Edgewater subdivision due to homes getting flooded with sewer. At a cost of about oh twenty seven thousand dollars. I've seen this. It's a Shawshank Redemption. Remember that? Yes. Oh, that's sewage. That's sewer. <laughs> he crawled through five hundred yards. 
That is sewer infiltration right yeah. there. Um, so basically, it sounds like they've had some sewer backup oh uh, in Edgewater, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming that uh, Beth hey, Ross has heard a lot about that. Yeah, let's let's not put the exact addresses and lot numbers no. of that neighborhood. No, no, no. That's no. going to affect their. Uh, I don't even know if Teen Couch could get a sale there. I don't know. <laughs> but they, they've got the so but. A city's going to have hiring a, a firm to do a twenty seven thousand for twenty seven thousand hours. Going to go in there and put cameras to yes. find the leaks, to find the cracks, right. to find out what's maybe stopping it up, to, to having everything back up to protect their citizens. Right. Period. So That's I mean, again, we're just throwing it out there. This is the first time I've seen this on here for the at least the last two years, uh, and so just you know, just something else that the city does when you when we're wondering what tax money goes to. Yeah. This is something that helps out you know residents in the city. Uh, next, something that was tabled from the uh, March fifteenth meeting. This was the uh, asphalt paving and the milling streets project remember we had the bid that no longer can be met yes. and they're asking them to reject the bid well uh -oh. they're trying to see the city attorney was supposed to see if they could hold them to that bid so that will be discussed tonight rarely Derek, during a meeting do you see someone get on their hands and knees and beg <laughs> Just the board of aldermen for something and that guy was like please reject our bid please reject our bid all right next uh the approval of bid for awg green tea road and mackinville infrastructure improvements so this is that overlay and shoulder widening remember that we talked about that they're going to give six foot on each side uh, that has been bid out uh, and that will now be um, discussed and the lowest bid hopefully accepted to start that project we'll find out how much that is tuesday night the next one is a discussion of a paving contract on old highway 51 also known as memphis street they're going to look to a paving contract for that, kind of discuss how they're going to handle that. If you've ever driven down old Highway 51, you know how bad that is. Uh, so they're looking to improve that. There's going to be a discussion. Again, there's a lot of discussion points. This is numbers 25, 26, and 27. That's what kind of worries me when you're starting to talk about the length of the meetings. Um, the discussion to increase water tap fees. Now, this is something that they've kind of yep. mentioned during meetings. Correct. Hey, people coming in, businesses coming in. We have some of the lowest water tap fees. And now with you know we're actually having people people outside of Hernando that are using our water. Maybe those subdivisions that are not quite annexed into the city yet, maybe we should charge them higher tap fees or maybe companies coming in, we could charge them higher tap fees. So that's going to be a discussion that's going to be going on Tuesday night. And another discussion point, Matt, number 27, five words, discussion on medical marijuana policies. Ooh, that's just, that's just discussion. That's discussion. That's just but discussion. you know, there have been a lot of, I, I'm going to think it would be higher on the list. Nah. <laughs> but <don't, laughs> The, that's an easy one right there. It's really easy. It was like easy. literally just a softball hanging out there. What you're seeing other communities in Mississippi do is, and, and I, we kind of brought this up, I think uh, Mayor Muscle White had mentioned this, we brought this up about a month or so ago, was the possibility of opting out of having medical marijuana in cities. Now, I'm assuming that's what they're going to be talking about, maybe just having that discussion. I'm not saying that Hernando's going to opt out. I have not talked to any alderman about this. Uh, I'm going to be going into this just as blind as everybody else watching it on Tuesday night. But I think that on the medical marijuana policies, the reason that they're wanting to opt out does not mean that they would be against it. Uh, other cities have not come out. Now, I'm not saying there's not people on the boards that are against it. Sure. But I think that the reasons given for the cities is because they're of the where they can be located. Correct. I know that Mayor Musselwhite was very concerned about it being in a certain location, maybe like the abandoned buildings on State Line Road or Main Street would then only be a bunch of basically medical marijuana Correct. retail stores and yeah. that what that could do to that area. And so I think that's what the discussion is going to, you know, how do we restrict it? Where do we put them? So when you talk about a zoning for a city, you know, where do you want to kind of zone those into a certain, you know, so I think that's what they're going to look at. So uh, please pay attention. Again, this is toward the end of the meeting. There's only four agenda items after this. Uh, so, uh, but again, discussion on medical, medical marijuana policies. Well, I mean, Derek, part of the city's job is to figure out at least the board of aldermen uh, in all the different towns is to figure out where you want businesses to go and and honestly, that's a muscle white protecting state line road because, like you just said, tons of empty real estate. We can talk forever about that reason, but he's trying to protect that area because there's people still living there. And do we want state line road to become, uh, you know, the medical marijuana capital of the mid south? And that's what he's doing, and that's what these cities have to talk about and talk about, you know, doing. So, um, very interested to see what that looks like. All right, two more things we want to look at for Tuesday night: the approval of a cost share. For the Green Tea Road water line at a cost of $45,810. So this is with the field house. Correct. So remember, he put in the line. So it looks like they've come to an agreement that $45,810 would be the amount that the city would you know, pay for that their portion of the water line. That is under $50,000, which means they would not have to put it out to bid. They could just get two quotes, a minimum of two quotes, and that would make it a lot faster, kind of streamline everything. And then so we'll see if the aldermen agree to do that. Uh, to tonight and then finally i'm going to read this as it is written because 
we don't know exactly how it's going to go. So item number 29, this was tabled from the March 15th, 2022 meeting. The purchase of property for the animal shelter building, discussion and authorization to purchase land for the animal shelter and to authorize city attorney to obtain appraisal, review purchase contract, and authorize the mayor to sign contract for the purchase. Now, that's a lot, first of all. So they all, they want to go ahead and get everything basically to the closing table for land that has not even been voted on yet. Correct. Um, so if you remember last time, they, they was a piece of property. They voted it down. The, the mayor, it was three to three. The mayor did a tiebreaker, per, uh, deciding not to purchase property off of Whitfield Drive. Uh, that would have been, I guess some of the residents came out, about 10 of them came out and protested against it being close to their neighborhood. They scrapped that land idea. Obviously, it was voted down, so they, they, they can't go forward with that. They had 60 days to try to find somewhere because the contract uh, on the building of the, the shelter was approved. And so they seem to have found a lot. Uh, it is not stipulated in here where the lot is. Uh, Matt, you and I have an idea where it is, but we'll let that come out on Tuesday night um, that, of where that is. And so the land, we do, we have heard that it is cheaper. Sure. Uh, the other one was 150000 This seems to be 120000 But It's again, not as large, but it is cheaper. It's cheaper. It's, I think, it's one and a half acres. Sure. The other one was three it's acres. perfect for the building. Perfect for the building. But, you know, obviously you can't add additional city projects to it like you could the other Correct, piece of property. Yes. But, yeah, so it's cheaper. Uh, and it's in another location, not next to our neighborhood. So we'll see if it's voted on. It sounds like that uh, they're going to go ahead and bring that up for voting. And if it is voted into, then they will go ahead and also give the attorney basically everything to get done to try to get it closed in the next 30 days to start the building so they can keep the other contract that they've already approved. Yes, I have heard that the seller of the land is, is ready. Uh, whenever the city makes their decision to move forward and, and kind of go as fast as needed and get this done. Because as you mentioned, only a certain amount of time before they uh, have to start there and they honor that bid from the general contractor for the animal shelter. So we have talked about the animal shelter for a long time, literally maybe three or four times a month since we started this show uh, almost a year and a half ago, <laughs> almost two years ago. And here we are. And it's time. The building is, is has been approved. The price has been approved. The the drawings, everything's ready to go. So I'm um, looking forward to that. And that's something we're going to we'll announce on Friday should that go one way or the other maybe talk more about where it is again whether it gets voted up or down so we'll uh, look forward to that good luck to the board of aldermen the city attorney the mayor all those people that have to be involved the first and third Tuesday when it comes to city business hopefully it does not uh, drag on uh, like we joke around about but uh, you know thank you all for doing the city business well Derek let's move out real quick when it comes to the state living in Hernando Mississippi living in the state of Mississippi down in Jackson they make decisions for us uh, you know about us all the time tell us uh, about one in particular uh, as they began to wrap up the legislature. There's some smaller bills that have gone to the governor's desk, but we're trying to hit the, the higher up ones that affect pretty much everybody in Mississippi. And the next one is the Senate adopted House Bill 1769, as presented, that protects Mississippians private property rights. So under the legislation, Article 3, Section 17A of the Mississippi Constitution will be codified in state statute. What that means is that the constitutional provision prohibits the state or local governments from taking private property through eminent domain and conveying to private entities for a period of 10 years. Exemptions are provided for levy facilities, road, bridge, ports, airports, common carriers, drainage facilities, and utilities. There have been uh, instances where maybe uh, the city were in other states have taken property. So like the city would come in and say, hey, look, this is an area that needs to be redeveloped. And so we're going to use our eminent domain saying that there is a better use of this land uh, than what it is currently being used for, even though it is private land. And the state of Mississippi is saying we're not going to allow that by any cities or any counties to be able to do that. And so for the next 10 years, uh, it will be illegal for a, a city, a municipality, a county, or, or the state itself to come in and to be able to take your property other than if they're looking to approve a levy to put in a city or state-run road, uh, bridges, ports, airports, common carriers, you know, drainage facilities, or utilities. You know, they will be paid. Of course, this happens already. Uh, they, they have it appraised for whatever section they're needing to do, and they usually offer appraised value uh, at that. Now, you know, if you fight, you can fight the value, but you can't really fight them taking it if it is public works for the public good. I, I think it's a great bill to be able to prevent cities or, or you know, any kind of municipality from coming in there and saying, hey, we don't like 
what this is used for, and we think there's it could be a better use by the city. Therefore, we're taking your property. Um, so again, for the next ten years, that will not be able to be done. And I don't see the governor vetoing this or anything. I think I'll sign it. One other thing, Matt, you'll be happy to know the official song has officially been changed. It has changed. Go Mississippi. Okay. As the official song of the state of Mississippi is now repealed. Repealed. Uh, it is repealed. Uh, that has been replaced now by one Mississippi. However, I want to read this to you because okay. this is this is interesting. So the legislature states that it is a desire to provide the state with numerous state songs oh, wow. so that Mississippians may enjoy state songs that are appropriate for all occasions, events, and daily activities. So again, the one Mississippi written by Steve Azar. And you would listen to that when? When would you listen well, to that? Well, I, what occasion I, would you listen I, to that I, song? I don't, man, look. Uh, <laughs> so one Mississippi written by Steve Azar would be designated as the contemporary music genre official oh, okay, song okay. of the state of Mississippi's and until others were adopted would be the only state song noted in the law. However, they are putting together a Mississippi State Song Study Committee. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious right It now? would be created for the purpose of developing and reporting to the legislature its recommendation for various genres of official songs of the state of Mississippi, including, but not limited to, you're going to have a Mississippi country official song, a rhythm and blues official song, a rock and roll official song, and a gospel official song for the state of Mississippi. Please tell me no one is paid for this. The state song study committee will consist oh my gosh. of five people. It'll be the director of division of tourism at the MDA, the executive director of the Mississippi tourism association, the chairman of the house and Senate tourism committees, the executive director of the Mississippi arts commission and the director of two Mississippi museums. So they are going to have to make their That rec- sounds like a fun group. It's a, it's a, it's that a, sounds like it's a, a very fun, fun group. group. The committee is to make a written recommendation for the various genres of official oh songs for the state of Mississippi to be presented to the legislature not later than December 31st of 2022. The members of the committee will not receive compensation. Of course not. But may receive reimbursement for mileage and actual expenses. Okay, there's no reason to <laughs> drive anywhere, meet anyone, stay anywhere. That is okay, Derek. Why did you so, end? Why did you end this? I, no, oh I, I, I had to surprise this you with that because it's now sitting on the governor's desk. If he signs this, we may have like five or six official state songs, depending on what genre you want to, and based on that genre. What type of party you want to have? So oh my if, gosh. If, if you're gonna oh have if you're gonna have a hoedown out in the field, you and, and you want to kind of bring that that state goodness to it, you're gonna have to bring the official state country song from Mississippi, which we'll know sometime by January first of 2023. And you have a gospel song. We have a gospel and song. You have that, a, an R&B song. Yeah, oh R&B my God. song. Look, Governor Reeves, please don't <laughs> sign that. That is the dumbest thing I've ever put, I've ever heard there. Right now it is. Right now. Right now it's one Mississippi. Right now it's one Mississippi. It's one Mississippi, but they want to have four Mississippi songs. Just like, like, remember when you used to count before you could rush the passer? You have one Mississippi. Exactly. Two Mississippi. Yeah, that's what you're going to have. Bunch of songs. Very interesting, Derek. You ruined uh, my Tuesday (laughs) show by uh, telling me that there's more uh, government involvement or overreach or complete and utter waste of time. You know what? If I'm on that committee, I'm driving everywhere. I'm staying with everybody. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. I'm staying in nice hotels. I'm eating at nice restaurants and I'm getting reimbursed out the wazoo when it comes to looking for that darn song. Oh, that's something else. Don't do it. Tate Reeves. Don't do it. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard uh, put together. Just make the song one Mississippi and literally close the books on this legislature and no one knows at all or cares, but we'll see. I never even knew we had a song. Until, exactly. Until what we was the like, I, I've this. already forgotten another song. Go Mississippi. Go Mississippi. Yep. That's, whew, that's probably a 99.9% of our UTW podcast listeners. A, didn't know the song, and B, agree with what I'm saying. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Make it one Mississippi and move on. And in 50 years from now, when we, no offense, but we don't know who Steve Azar is, just like we didn't know the other guy, we just go away. Yeah. New song, new time, doesn't matter. (laughs) Electronic music, who cares, whatever. Well, Derek, speaking of going away and coming back, man, we are excited to welcome back one of our favorite advertisers, one of our favorite ad reads to read because uh, it puts a smile on our face because we know just how wonderful and just how important this thing is to Hernando, Mississippi. Of course, I speak of the Hernando Farmer's Market. 
The Hernando Farmers Market makes its return to the UTW podcast, and they will be opening the market in conjunction with the Soto County Earth Day celebration on Saturday, April 23rd. That's going to be from 9 to 1. They will be back to normal hours the following week, which is 8 to 1. That's going to be 8 to 1, and they'll be open through October 29th, and they will also provide the Christmas Farmers Market on November 12th. The Town Square will once again be uh, the place for the Hernando Farmers Market every Saturday morning from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. through October 29th. The Earth Day celebration coming up on Saturday, April 23rd. There'll be over 50 exhibitors. Direct Shred will be there doing uh, free document shredding, if that's something you're interested in doing. 4-H will have demonstrations and live animals. There'll be kids' crafts, activities. DeSoto County and Hernando Animal Shelters will be on site with animals for adoption. Just a number of different things happening on Earth Day. Again, Saturday, April 23rd from 9 to 1 to kick off the Hernando Farmer's Market. Then the next week, the Hernando Farmer's Market will start off with 40 vendors, including Brown Dairy Farms, Davis Meat Company, Jones Orchard, Kills County Market, Miss Pat's Homemade Pound Cakes and Yeast Breads, and many, many more. So glad to be back reading the Hernando Farmer's Market, a wonderful asset to the city of Fernando, one of the best things we do year-round. Just a great, great thing. It's a place to shop, it's a place to gather, but more importantly, it's a rare chance to experience the simplicity of a Mississippi small town. It is truly a fresh, local experience. We welcome them back, the Hernando Farmer's Market. The secret is out. North Point Christian is DeSoto County's most popular private school destination. 211 new students made the switch and became part of the North Point family this year, pushing their enrollment to record levels. Are you interested in making a schooling switch in 2022-2023? North Point just hosted their April open house and had welcomed 17 families to view the school. They encourage you to see why families in three states, 28 cities, and 41 zip codes have made North Point DeSoto County's largest and most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school. Interested families should call for their own private tour by contacting Director of Admissions, Ms. Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5127. Again, 662-349-5127. They invite you to get ready to make the switch and join the North Point family. Since 1981, Holland Insurance has been staffed with local industry experts who are eager to make a difference in every life they touch. As an independent insurance agent, Holland Insurance can work with Blue Cross Blue Shield, Cigna, Aetna, Nationwide, State Auto, Hartford, Builders Mutual. Dozens of insurance companies trust Holland Insurance to represent them here in DeSoto County. Whatever your insurance needs, health, life, property, casualty, auto, any insurance needs you have, reach out to Bruce Robinson and Jerry Holland at 662-895-5528. Again, that's 662-895-5528. Give them your needs. Tell them what you're looking for. Tell them your budget. Let them work on putting you with the correct company for you and your needs and your budget. Again, Holland Insurance, 662-895-5528, located in South Haven, but ready to assist all DeSoto County residents. Holland Insurance. Derek, before we move on to the DeSoto County Fact of the Week, just one more advertiser. I'm kind of proud of myself. A lady walked in. We had her in a rental car in under four minutes yesterday. So proud of my manager, Megan. So working really fast. Lady comes in. Here's my insurance. Here's my driver's license. We had her on the road in under four minutes. Mobile car and van rental, the only car rental place in Hernando, located at the corner of Commerce and McCracken, ready to serve. We'll do our absolute best to get you in the car you like as fast as we can and get you back on the road. Call Megan, our manager, at 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555. If you are traveling for this summer, please contact us. Cars trucks, passenger vans. Give us a call. Let us help you with your summer travel needs. If you're traveling for Memorial Day weekend, you need to book as soon as possible. Those dates are filling up. Mobile car and van rental, 662-469-4555. As I mentioned a moment ago, our DeSoto County Fact of the Week, every Tuesday show, brought to you by the DeSoto County Museum, located across the street from Bancorp South on Commerce Street. They are open Tuesday through Saturday, 9 to 5. Rob Long and his team, they're ready to show you all around the DeSoto County Museum. Derek, this week's uh, DeSoto County Fact of the Week from Rob reads how. Matt, in just over a month, in Kentucky, there will be a race the first weekend in May in Louisville, Kentucky, obviously the Kentucky Derby. But did you know that in 1886, Hernando had a horse race around the square with thoroughbreds named the Colonel? 
Okay. And Kennesaw. This was horse racing was using harness and carts back then. This was a favorite right. pastime back That's in right. the 1880s. And then so this was going on. So they actually had a race on the Hernando Square in 1886. Now this was uh, kind of an on and Just off. Just one th- time. Uh, was kind of an on and off oh, thing okay, gotcha. throughout, throughout the rest of the uh, the late 1880s. And then by 1909, there were carnivals and shows were a regularly occurring attraction in the Hernando area, including in 1909 the John H. Sparks world-famous show that featured tremendously, and this is in quotes, tremendously fast circus horses with trick riders as well as horse racing. So again, all this was happening in the last you know, 20 or last two decades uh, of the uh, 19th century into the early 20th century uh, that they would have these horse races. Now, Matt, have you ever been to the Neshoba County Fair? I've never been. All right. We used to go every summer with my family, and they have a horse track right dead Correct. in the middle of the fairgrounds. Yes. And so that's what they had. They had harness racings. I mean, we were betting on harness racing well as a, as a young kid the families would do all the things that was something we really looked forward to and it was just great to think that our square town square yeah. before it was obviously asphalted was just dirt and so they would just run i mean what sure. a perfect location to go yeah. around around the courthouse i'm sure they had some wagers going on i guess what i'm a little upset about is that you know so the kentucky derby match started in 1875 right so about mm, what was that 11 years before our horse race the first horse race that was here you know but the Arkansas Derby did not start until 1936, so wow. if we could have kept that going, we might have had the the local Derby right here within sure. a two or three hundred mile radius. Had that in here because we were, we were racing horses before they were racing them over there in Arkansas. So again, just a wonderful fact of the week that we you know used to have uh, carriage horse races around the square here right here in Hernando. The Soda County Museum, Rob Long, thank you so much for the Soda County Fact of the Week. A wonderful gym right here in Hernando. Please consider visiting the DeSoto County Museum. Admission is always free. It does not cost you a dime to take your friends, your family, uh, your kids. Maybe this summer, early summer, you may want to take them to the DeSoto County Museum, give you a little bit of uh, air conditioning and uh, maybe you know some time to show the kids around, give you about an hour or so of, uh, oh, yeah. of something to show the kids. DeSoto County Museum, 9 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. Thank you again, Rob Long, for working with us here at the UTW Podcast. Speaking of continuing to work with us here at the UTW Podcast, podcast brought to you by one of our longest advertisers, the perfect gentleman for this time of year when it comes to grass, when it comes to things growing, when it comes to trees and and all the new things coming out in the spring. I'm speaking, of course, of Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and so much more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs, whether it's leaf removal, tree trimming, spring cleanups, gate repair, fence repair, new fence construction. Uh, If you need pressure washing on a large area, Richard can help with that. No job too small, no job too large. If he can't help you, he'll find someone who can. Call him today at 662-292-8855. That's 292-8855. Or find more information about Richard on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. Since 2001, Green King Spray Services has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure that your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated, with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419, again 662-892-8419, or visit them on their website at greenkingspray.com. Remember, if you want it green, call the king. Well, Derek, tomorrow, uh, actually by the time this show is out, um, these two gentlemen are going to be taking their staff down to a continued education in New Orleans using one of our vans from Mobile Car and Van Rental. I'll speak, of course, of Dr. Paroli and Dr. Trotter with DeSoto Family Dental Care. I want to say thank you to them for using a local business as they treat their staff to a trip to New Orleans. With over 60 years of combined dental experience, Drs. Seymour, Paroli, and Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments, general dentistry, implants, implant-supported dentures, and now Invisalign. 
The office is designed to provide a safe, comfortable, and relaxing atmosphere for their patients. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with relaxing, personalized dental care. Visit their office today to see the difference or give them a call at 429-5239. That's 429-5239. They are the official dentist of the UTW podcast. Please consider making them yours. Again, DeSoto Family Dental Care. Well, Derek, as we wrap up every show, we talk a little bit about sports. Young people here in Hernando, here in DeSoto County, working hard on the sports fields. And we here at the UTW Podcast love to shine a light on young people as they continue to battle, whether it be baseball, softball, soccer, football, all those different sports. I want to congratulate them on a continued spring sport. Tell us about North Point, Lewisburg, and Hernando since our last show. All right, Matt, we've had a busy weekend, so we've got several games to go over. The first starting with Trojan Soccer. Uh, North Point played two matches since our last show. In the first match, North Point traveled to St. Benedict to take on the Eagles and came away with a 2-1 to victory and steady rain on Thursday night. Cooper McCoy and Brody Erber led the way offensively for the Trojans, getting a goal apiece, and the defense, along with goalie Sammy Roycevich, held steady, giving up one goal on a free kick. In the second match the next night, the Trojans welcomed Westminster to Dr. and Mrs. Claire E. Cox Field for the first district game of the year. This game also ended in a 2-1 Trojan victory, with Charles Craig netting both goals for the Trojans and the defense coming up strong again, giving up the lone goal. The Trojans are now 3-1 in the regular season and 1-0 in district. Their next game is a district game against FACS Tuesday night at home, but that is looking doubtful based on the weather, so we'll see if we'll be reporting on that on our Friday show. Next, Trojan softball. As mentioned on Friday, the girls played in a softball tournament at Greenbrook this past weekend. They played St. Benedict on Friday night and lost 17-7 in five innings. They then played in Lewisburg and lost 11-0. North Point is now 2-3, 1-0 in district. They have a very young team that lost two pitchers last year to graduation and played mostly ninth graders, so I think it's going to be kind of a kind of a growing year. Uh, I, I, it seems like they're, they're consi- their games are consistently short. <laughs> they're consistently short. <laughs> I won't say why. I mean, a little bit of a mercy rule, yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, they are looking tomorrow night for another win versus St. George's in district. That is their one district win That's against St. George's. They're playing them again, so we'll see how that goes. Next, Trojans baseball. The Trojans had two non-conference games since our last show. First, the Trojans took on Tupelo Christian Prep and got the win by mercy rule in five innings, 13-3. Spencer Haley got the win going four innings and striking out five. Hudson Brown had a home run for the Trojans. Jay Ferguson was two for two with a triple and two RBIs. Sean Giampertone had two RBIs, as did Jackson Thomason and Spencer Haley. In the second game, the baseball team traveled to St. Benedict the day after the soccer team did and also won, this time 18 to nothing in three innings. Oh, wow. Jay Ferguson got the win with four strikeouts and also had three RBIs at the plate. Hudson Brown was two for two with three RBIs. Carson Freeze had three RBIs. And Josh Fisher had two RBIs. They are now 9-3, and 2-0 in district, and they will be back in district play Monday night in the first of a two-game series against FACS. Uh, going down to now Lewisburg, Lewisburg softball. Lewisburg uh, had a district game before also playing in the Greenbrook tournament, as mentioned before. Lewisburg took on South Panola on Thursday night and won 10-1 to with Raggett going all seven innings for the win. Neverez and Harville had two hits for the Lady Patriots, and Harville led the team with three RBIs. In the Greenbrook tournament, Lewisburg played St. Benedict first, a team that keeps popping up in our sports rundown, it seems like, and defeated the Eagles 6-4. to Reed for Lewisburg goes five innings and gets the win, along with three strikeouts. Stokes and Williams led the Lady Patriots at the plate with two hits each, and Taylor had two RBIs. Their second game of the tournament was against North Point. Well, uh, they won 11-0, as mentioned before. Raggett got her second win since our last show, going four innings with six strikeouts. Taylor Walker and Harville each had two hits and two RBIs for the Lady Patriots. Lewisburg was trying to go a perfect 4-0 for the weekend when they met up with Brighton in the third game of the Greenbrook series, but it was not to be as Brighton gets the victory 5-1. Abrams takes the loss for the Lady Patriots, but had seven strikeouts in that loss. Harville had the lone RBI for Lewisburg. Lewisburg's record is now 13-4-1, and they'll be back in play Tuesday night. Next, the, the Lewisburg baseball team, who's been having an outstanding year. Uh, after taking game one of the three-game series against Olive Branch earlier in the week, Lewisburg welcomed Olive Branch for game two. Lewisburg got two in the first 
eight in the second and five in the fourth without giving up a run to take the 15-0 victory in five innings over the Keisters. J.P. Allen got the win for the Patriots with four strikeouts and was two for three at the plate with two RBIs. Austin Hannigan was three for three with four RBIs. Jacob Hill was two for three with a double and an RBI. And Cade Greer and Riley Parker each had two RBIs. Game three was the very next day, and the result would be very similar. Lewisburg gets two in the first, five in the third, and five in the fourth to take a 12-0 victory in five innings. The pitching did not give up a run, Matt, to Olive Branch over all three games. Hmm. Zero runs scored by Olive Branch in three games. The pitching, uh, I mean, excuse me, Scott Sharp got the win for the Patriots, going three innings with seven strikeouts. Aiden Travis was two for three with three RBIs. Grant Terry was two for three with an RBI. And Jacob Hill, he had two stolen bases to give him 23 on the season. The Patriots are now 17-1 and and 3-0 in district. They'll be back in district play this week with a three-game center series against Center Hill that starts Monday night at Center Hill. Now moving down to uh, under the water tower right here in Hernando, starting with Hernando's softball team. Hernando played Olive Branch and Horn Lake over the weekend and, de- and defeated both, improving their record to 17-6 and and 5-0 and in district play. They next have home games Monday night against district foe South Panola. Uh, that was moved up to Monday. It should have been played on Tuesday, but moved to Monday because of the incoming weather. So we want to say good luck to the Lady Tigers, who seem to have found their groove after kind of an uneven start. Absolutely. Uh, and proving that, uh, again, back to 17-6 and six is their uh, current record. And finally, Hernando Baseball. Speaking of South Panola, Hernando, the baseball team, was looking to take the series against the South Panola Tigers after taking game one on Tuesday night. Thomas Mitchell had everything going right on Friday night as he pitches all seven innings, allowing no runs on three hits and seven strikeouts and a 4 nothing victory. Garrick Smith led Hernando with two hits, who won the series based on that win, and were going for the sweep on Saturday. On Saturday, Hernando had the same margin of four runs, leading by 6-2, to two, going into the top of the half of the seventh when their bats came alive for eight runs, putting the game away and winning 14-2. to two. Topher Jones got the victory on the mound for the Tigers, going all seven innings, giving up two runs on nine hits and striking out four. Luke Romine, Carter Newton, Josh Robinson, Tyler Sullivan, Garrick Smith, and Walker Kraft led the 16-hit attack, all having multiple hits for the Tigers, with Sullivan, Kraft, and Romine having three each and Robinson leading the way with three RBIs. Hernando is now 13-6, 6-0 in district, and will be back uh, in action this week taking on Horn Lake in district play starting Monday night. And Matt, that kind of wraps us up for sports, but I wanted to say one more thing because I know you usually kind of close us out uh, every show. Please. wanted to say uh, happy birthday to my mama, Tuesday the 5th, when you're all, everybody's listening to the show. Uh, it is her birthday, so I want to say uh, happy birthday to mom. That I love you. Uh, she is an avid listener of the show. She listens every time. I guess because I'm on here, there would be no other reason for her to listen. Uh, but I want to tell her that I love her and can't wait. She is coming up here on Thursday. Awesome. Uh, coming to watch Bo play a soccer game, and then we're going to Nashville this weekend. Uh, my little baby nephew is getting christened, and so we're all going up for there for that so just want to say uh that i love you and happy birthday mama uh from for me and we will not tell anyone how old she is no she's, no, 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 no she's she's 39 again oh th- yeah okay she's 39 go. good again. point go. good point yeah. there you go easy enough congratulations happy birthday hopefully maybe see her later on this week uh just uh, a very nice lady i mean you can't ask for a nicer mom Aww. i mean she's just a sweetheart of a lady so uh definitely a shout out to her and happy birthday uh 39th birthday again for um 30 years in a row <laughs> for 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 uh, a couple of years, maybe. Yeah, a couple maybe of years. just a couple. Exactly. Look, if you enjoy our show, our talk about young people, our talk about our words from the weekend, city business, state business, all those different things, please share our show. Let others know about our show. Just uh, take our Apple Podcast or Google Podcast somewhere you're listening to a show. Click on those little little dots, and it's going to say share episode or share, and that's how you send it off to friends. So please consider sharing our show and helping us continue to grow here with the UTW Podcast. Also, find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast on Instagram at UTW. UTW podcast and on Twitter at UTW pod, wherever you subscribe, give us a five-star review, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, those different things. Give us a five-star review helps us continue to move up the ranks when it comes to local podcast. If you enjoy our show, you'll enjoy OB pod simply stands for Olive branch. Look for OB pod covering the Eastern side of DeSoto County with uh, government news, uh, alderman meetings, all that type of stuff for the city of Olive branch. Also covering center Hill athletics, Olive branch athletics and Lewisburg athletics. Again, OB pod. 
Derek, hope you have a wonderful week. Look forward to our uh, show later this week. Good luck to all the soccer teams and baseball teams that we cover. Enjoy the weather. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of rainy over the next couple of days, but enjoy the uh, beautiful weather and uh, as you continue your seasons. Well, if Derek, if there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. This is where we dropped off a pretty little girl, same grade as me. Tried to kiss her once in the 